Okay, some of us are eager for brunch, so I'm going to try to keep this brief. Uh, echoing, echoing Bill's question. People ask Bill, how are the finances of the cathedral? People ask me, how is Trinity doing? I hear that from, especially when I encounter somebody out in Portland who is a sometimes Trinity person, maybe hasn't been coming as frequently post-pandemic, maybe they're watching online, uh, maybe they'll join us for Christmas Eve or Easter or a wedding or a funeral. Uh, casual friends of the cathedral will say, how are things going? And often they're, they're listening, I think, for what we all know to be true, at least those of us who are involved in um, arts and culture organizations more broadly. Some of you have seen these statistics uh, for theater companies, for symphony organizations, operas, uh, art museums, a lot of other cultural institutions. Attendance is down 40 to 60 percent from where it was uh, before the pandemic. This is the, so if you are a I, I have I serve on the board of a theater profile theater. If you if you are a lover of arts in Portland, this is a really important year to support the arts organizations that you care about because nearly every single one of them is one year away from closure. We've seen a lot of a lot of arts organizations fold this year. Uh, and in many ways, I think about Trinity uh, when I kind of think about how are we doing these or the other. I mean, I can look at other churches, other Episcopal churches, but in many ways, we operate a little bit more like the Oregon Symphony than we do like, you know, Swithin, St. Swithin's in the Swamp down in Selwood. Um, so our attendance is not quite as down. Our Advent uh, average Sunday attendance this year was 487. Church of the Commons saw 150 families that first Sunday in Advent. That's a huge increase from where we were before the pandemic. So Church of the Commons is growing post-pandemic. Uh, services are starting to recover. Lessons and carols saw 543 people. That's 446 people in the pews, 97 people participating virtually with that service. That's closer to where we were pre-pandemic. We saw uh, almost 2,000 people at Christmas Eve this year, about 1,500 folks in the pews and another 237 online. They're, again, not quite where we were in 2019, but getting closer. Uh, Alicia Johnson, who's a statistician on our vestry, put these uh, these numbers together, and you can sort of see Advent attendance over the past five years. You can't quite see the number, but that's that's about uh, two, I think that's a 500 people in 2019 kind of down from there. And then you can see how we're breaking it out now that we're streaming. Uh, and what we count in that virtual number, those are people who are watching simultaneous to the actual service. There's another several hundred people that watch after the fact. But those virtual numbers are people who are logging into Facebook or to YouTube or on our website to watch a long time with us in real time. So we consider that, that's the number that we put in the book. People who are participating in the same event at the same time, whether they're in the room or online. You can sort of see kind of where Advent was, where Christmas Eve is. We're not quite back to where we were, but we're getting, we're getting closer. Although even that framing is a, little, um, is a little tricky for me because you've heard me say from this mic before, there's no going back. Right, we are not recreating Trinity Cathedral circa 2019. That was a great Trinity Cathedral, by the way. I loved walking in here, and the thing just like happened. Uh, we're we're no longer in that in that in that era, but we're moving forward. Our ministries are starting to uh, to to bounce back. Godly Play had 42 kids in in Godly Play on the first Sunday of Advent. That's like double or triple what we usually have. Some of that attendance has continued. We'll see kind of how it um how it continues. But Sharice's kind of anecdotal data is that we used to say. A family with kids who was um, uh, a sort of a we knew them they were they were sort of uh, core to our to our families would attend about once a month that was regular Sunday attendance for families what we're seeing now is a smaller number of kids but by generally they are here every week or every other week 
So my sense is that's also true in the pews, right? There are uh, there's a core group of us that are here pretty pretty consistently, and then a lot of others of us that come in and out. So we're really seeing those um, those statistics play out in our church school in particular. Once at the Commons is starting to recover to pre pre pandemic numbers, we're averaging about fifty five to sixty five people on Wednesday nights for classes. We've got seventeen choristers this year. That's starting to come back to where we were. So the chorister program is one of my, uh, that's kind of one of the indicators that we look to, to see kind of how are we doing uh, compared to where we were before the pandemic. Food pantry numbers are up about 200%. That's not a number that I'm proud of. That's a number that we should all be sobered by. Those are not numbers we want to see increase, but the need is increasing and our capacity to respond to the need is also increasing. We're leveraging technology. Jan talked about this in her point of pride, right? Podbean, did I change this? It's Podbean, Bean, I did change that. It was Beam before, but it's Podbean is the name of our podcast catcher and YouTube. That is our fastest growing congregation. We have uh, uh, about 1100 views on YouTube, 400 downloads. That, that's um, the sermon that is the, the most downloaded one has about 1,100 views and about 400 downloads. What that means is more people will hear my sermon as a standalone podcast or video than will ever be in the cathedral to hear it live, which changes the way I think about what I say from the pulpit. I'm just gonna, so by, by the numbers, right? We've had about 16,000 downloads on Podbeam, about 8,500 views on YouTube. Uh, that's, that's just the sermon feed. That doesn't include all of the other. We have a bunch of uh, music clips on there, class clips. I'm, I'm told that um, the, the music clips, Katie, that, that are going out on, on YouTube are being used in, um, in hospital rooms as Ron Westner had um, Trinity music playing as he died last week. Thanks to the, the ministry of our choir, that was true for uh, Dick and Jane Flippinger too. They were using some of those feeds. Um, so this, these, these musical offerings that we're putting out into the world on YouTube and on Facebook are having a life far beyond a Sunday morning service. They're a part of our, uh, I think they're part of our radical hospitality out in the world and are being accessed and used um, for, that, for that reason. So that is, in some ways, that's kind of our new, right? Like we're not going back to 2019, the cathedral where everything happened in the building. We're some form of a hybrid community now where our fastest growing congregation is people who probably don't even live in Portland but connect with us through podcasting, through videos, through YouTube, through Facebook, through Instagram, all the other ways in which we're putting TikTok. We have a huge TikTok thing happening that I don't even know about because I stay off of TikTok. It freaks me out. But it, it exists. Um, and we are finding people that way too. That is our fastest growing congregation. That is um, the, the, number, the numbers of people who are finding us that way is really staggering. So I don't quite know what that will mean for the Trinity of the future. I'm fascinated by what it means to think about that as one of, I, I, see, your, I see your hand, Pam. I'm gonna ask you to hold it till the end. Uh, so I, I have a couple of things I wanna get through. So all of it to say technology is uh, increasingly a part of what we're doing. Uh, you saw this slide last year. We're no longer printing bulletins. We're saving up uh, almost $50,000 a year by not doing that and 30 trees a year. I asked you to join me in this experiment. Like this is at the annual meeting last year. I said, try it, right? And I am so proud of you <laughs> because I look out on, at the congregation on a Sunday morning and I see you like fiddling with your phone, trying to get it to like make a hymn look good so that you can read it. I see you sighing and being frustrated and turning to the person next to you and complaining about what's happening. But then like finding, like, you know, helping somebody. I, I saw this happen a couple weeks ago where like there was a woman trying to figure out and the person next to her like found the hymn book, found the hymn and handed it to her. Like just use this week. You are taking care of each other in the pews. It is a beautiful thing to see. I know that 
for the um the online leaflets are not perfect. Some of you hate them. Some of you have discovered that like this is a way that you actually can participate. Now I think about Frederica Barnes, right? Who like can't she's she's sight impaired. She can't see anything printed, but a um an online leaflet she can have a thing that reads it to her. So for the first time in at, in Trinity's history, Frederica can participate in the service in a way that she never could. Our technology, I want to frame it not just as a cost saver, which it is, not just as an environmental saver, which it is, but as a way of, of um, increasing access and offering as, as good or better kinds of equal access for everybody, regardless of their abilities. Now, what that means is we have to also then get the analog parts of it right, because not everybody carries around a device that can access the, um, the internet. So my, my new experiment with this year, this is what I'm going to be trying during Lent. Um, I had a, I had an experience Lent. I'll talk about this probably as we get closer to Lent. But I tried last year to give up my cell phone for Lent. Uh, I I managed to get about two weeks before I realized that I really I tried to make it a dumb phone. Right, I was only receiving calls on it, and I realized that I cannot do my job without a smartphone in my pocket. Like I just literally can't do it. Many of you may have discovered this too, right? Like we depend. On, on these little computers that we carry around in our pockets, many of us. And I, I came to really appreciate all the things that a smartphone allows me to do. I am really thankful to this technology that actually allows me to be the pastor to 2000 people in a way that I know my predecessors, you know, were doing it well, but differently. I'm able to do it in my way because of a smartphone and the technology it allows me to do. And I am craving places in my life. When I go to the symphony now, I don't just turn my phone on silent. I put it on airplane mode and I put it away. So for two hours, I can focus on just being a body in a room, experiencing something that's happening in the, in the space. And my sense is I kind of want to remember church that way too. So my experiment in Lent this year is to see if I can get through a Sunday service without a smartphone. And I invite you to join me. You'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. The other, the other new thing that's going to be coming this year, um, and you, you've heard a little bit of, you heard a little bit about this at the annual uh, meeting last year. Many of you know the roof on top of you right now is about one bad windstorm away from total catastrophe. The roof of this of this building, Kempton Hall, uh, needs some work. We think it's actually not going to cost as much as we initially thought it might. So we're launching a capital campaign. This you'll hear more about this in the in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be kicking off here in a couple of weeks. Um, we completed a feasibility study this fall to get a sense of what projects are more, most important uh, to our to our long term sustainability as a community, and then what kind of um, what kind of funding we think might be available in this community for those projects. We set a goal of four million. Our professionals tell me that there is four million available in this in this community if we do our job. Um, so there's a there's a number of projects that will fall under that umbrella. What does that say? Roof, kitchen, and uh, roof, kitchen, and the courtyard. This net capital campaign will really focus on this space. In many ways, Kempton Hall is not just our um, it's not just our fellowship hall. This is really becoming the heart of our ministry in all kinds of ways. If I need to take a second and think about all the ways in which this room is used throughout the week. During the pandemic, there were flats of cans all over this space. It was the food uh, warehouse distribution center. The food pantry happens that way. There's people making food, unpacking food, gleaning food coming in here. This is food central, Monday through Saturday. Sacred dance happens on this labyrinth. Um, the, the Labyrinth the Guild uses it for, for Labyrinth walks. You see the incredible art on these walls. This is our art gallery. This is where our kids come to sing. There's people playing the piano here. This is our, in, in, in many ways, this is the heart of our community, this, this, this room. So we really want to make sure that this room is able to do all that is being asked of it right now and all that may be asked of it in, in the future. We're thinking about kind of the next 
iteration of Kempton Hall? What does a, what does a fellowship hall, what does a church fellowship hall need to look like? Do we really need an unusable stage back there? Or could that be repurposed? These are some of the questions we're asking. The capital campaign is gonna focus on Kempton Hall, on our courtyard, on our kitchen. $4 million. It's a six-month campaign. Lee Wilson and Matt Thompson have agreed to chair it. They're here. Matt's right there. Lee, I'm so grateful for your leadership, friends. I could not do this work without you by my side. Thank you for taking this on. It's a daunting challenge. $4 million is not a little bit of money, but we are moving forward with confidence, uh, and you will all be invited. Not all of us are going to be able to give a million dollar signature gift. Although if you have the capacity to give a million dollar signature gift, I would love to have a conversation with you earlier. But this, like everything else we do, right? This is going to be about a whole community coming together, each of us doing what we can in order to preserve our sacred home. So we're really excited by this. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun process. That is what I have to report.